0: Welcome to the podcast with your host, (coughs) Lauren... Sorry, (laughs) something in my throat. throat. Oh, that's better. Yes, welcome to my podcast, Walk With Lawrence, the podcast where I walk and talk with some wonderful human beings. Some of them will be my friends. Some of them will be people I've just met. Either way, it's going to be a scrumptiously delightful conversation that I hope you get a lot from. I hope you have some laughs. I hope you have some tears, a whole range of emotions. Either way, I hope you enjoy it. And I love you very much. And thank you very much. Here's the podcast. So this week's guest is
1: Michael Macy. Now, Michael, we're walking through the fields at your beautiful Devon home. This is the good life, right? Yeah. It's gorgeous. Um, Wow. But one thing that really strikes me, particularly with your story, is that it hasn't always been like this, has it? Can you tell me about the lowest point in your life and how you got there?
2: Yeah, so... um I'd say probably the probably the lowest point for me was um when we were um I was locked up in threatening offenders I was 18 years old it was my third time I'd been to prison and uh but this time I went in there and I I was a fully blown heroin addict and um I was detoxing from heroin and it was just, it, it was a controversial detox. It isn't allowed anymore. It's a seven day detox. that completely flushes all the, uh, all the drugs out of your system in a completely unnatural way. And um, I got about, I think about 48 hours into my detox and decided I was gonna kill myself. Just couldn't, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. And um, I'd learned how to kill yourself in a prison cell from, uh, there was another guy who I was locked up with who'd done it. And so I just I wrapped up the bed sheets, um, rolled them up like when you roll up a rizzler and uh, and put one end wrapped one end around the bars and one end around my neck, and just rolled off the bed and hung myself and I, I remember like just before I rolled off i I was convinced that I was gonna fuck it up I was like because I was I was detoxing from heroin, I was so fucked I was like i don't <laughs> I don't see how I'm going to get this right. I'm probably it's probably going to take me two or three attempts, and um, and I ended up getting it spot on. And it, it it jerked. I rolled off the bed and it jerked me, it lifted me up. It, the knot when it pulled, and um, and naturally the first thing you do is start grab. You want to. You don't want to die. This is the thing. When you when you're actually hanging there, you don't want to die. And then you know when you realise that you, there's no getting out. You just start thinking about all the people that you know that you care about and you love and i thought about mary and i thought about my mum i thought about my dad as well even though he hadn't played a big part in their life and i you know just slowly lost consciousness and then was brought round by two prison guards who just randomly because everyone on this wing in like offenders was detoxing from heroin and um they randomly checked the cells, just to check all the inmates are still alive. And it was just at that moment, like, that they checked my cell when I was hanging. I was unconscious. And, uh, and they brought me back to life, uh, brought the doctors in, and then I was taken and I was put in a padded cell for about two weeks. And, um, and that was where I'd done the rest of my detox. And I swear, the two weeks in that padded cell was almost like hell on earth. Um... So yeah, mate. That would that would probably be the darkest moment of my life, and I was 18 then.
1: Ah, oh, um. Wow, I. You hear someone talk about an experience like that, emotionally, internally. Now that that kind of plays havoc with me because I feel all sorts. Uh, particularly when you describe it like that, and I'm standing next to a man who's been in that position. Um, it's quite hard to hear. Yeah. That someone. Uh, be in that position where that seemed like the only option
2: Mm.
1: uh what what i want to ask you now and say you know obviously it's been a long journey from that place to this place yeah i'm talking about that emotional journey and also the physical journey of where we are here in devon it's beautiful land that we're walking on can you begin to describe how you got from that place that lowest moment to where you are right here right now
2: yeah it was it was really if i'm being honest Lawrence, it was through a lot of pain pain has been a great teacher for me you know making mistakes getting it wrong picking yourself up going again and just you know i think the foundation of all of this stuff that i've achieved has been sobriety you know getting sober I've, i got sober at the age of 25 and i'm sober ever since i've been sober 12 years now You know, so I didn't have the luxury of um, when things get a bit tough or a bit hard, go down the pub and have a pint to take the edge off. I haven't had the luxury of doing that. And so when things get painful, I've had to, you know, I've had to look within and do the work. And um, it's painful doing the work, but also on the other side of doing the work is a better life because you know yourself a bit better. talk about this
1: work um what is this work and are you doing it purely on your own or is
2: yeah so you know getting up meditating doing breath work running exercising uh meditating for me that's the daily work of my life like am i willing to put in the work to make me a better version of myself but also you know, I still see a therapist, even to this day, you know, I still see a therapist who's become more of like a life coach. Um, and I and I still engage in, you know, groups and uh, shadow work, because I'm always looking to heal any wounds I've got. And I still got wounds. We all got wounds. No, No one's got this life completely figured out. And anyone who says they has, it proves to me how... Far away from having it all figured out, you are. So, in this
1: work that you're putting in to be the most, or to be the most powerful, the strongest version, the best version of yourself. Yeah. All the work that goes into that, it involves other people as well. You're not doing this
2: just on your own. No, definitely not. No, no, no. I, I, I need people to help me see the things that I can't see. Now, I can often see things that I need to work on because I just, you know, you know there's a situation that has triggered you, or you're finding it hard with your daughter at a certain age, you know, being a parent, or, you know, whatever has come up. And if I don't have the answers, I go and seek help. And, you know, or if something triggers me, if something makes me really angry, then I go and I I find out why, and where does it come from? And it always comes from the past. There's a wound or, or something that needs to be healed from the past. And uh, you can't heal it on your own you've got to heal it in community with other men who've been down the road before you so this uh, you
1: mentioned there uh, other men in a group environment this togetherness, this male togetherness yeah that that's something I'd like to explore a little bit with you and you know clearly you know I know you a little bit from before this podcast as well. We spent the weekend together on one of your male retreats yep so how, how important you know has has male togetherness in particular been for you
2: yeah i mean it's massive you see i grew up in a world where you couldn't trust men men can't be trusted men were violent and unpredictable and you know the problem with that is is that years and years ago before we got all civilized human beings are hardwired to sit around campfires and connect with other men And there's an ancient rite of passage where a boy would become a man and the elders in the community would take that boy and and you know teach him about what it is to be a man what it means to be a man and we've lost that and in a lot of ways that's what this is is coming back to community sitting with other men you know in a circle all of the work I do is in a circle anyone who's been to any of my workshops in schools prisons we always sit in a circle has to show everyone's voice is equal and we're all equal there's no hierarchy here there's no look at me i've got all the answers it's like i've just i've just been going down this road a little bit longer but i'm gonna hold your hand and we're gonna go down it together so keeping this i suppose this tradition
1: uh and you talk about ancestrally how far back this goes of men taking counsel with other men yeah and at some point in the modern day potentially this has been disconnected 100%, yeah. and we need to reconnect um why do you think so many men struggle nowadays in this modern world
2: yeah i think you know there's there's just not enough people really willing to demonstrate vulnerability and really to just be honest about where they're at you know, we want to look like we've got all the answers. We want to look like we've got it all figured out. We want to look like we've got the best job. We've got the perfect home, you know. And none of us have got it all figured out, you know. Um, you know, I'll be honest with you, Lawrence. This, this week, I got a message from Pam McMillan, who are my publishers of my book, to say I've won a Literally, literary Titan Award. And, and that the book was, an, a, was a number one bestseller. Embarrassing. Just another standard week yeah. from Michael Macy. Well... Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, thank you, mate. <laughs> now, you'd think this would be positive, but it really fucking hit me. You know, and... Uh, and, I, and I honestly reckon if I went to the doctors and said to him how I feel, he'd probably say, you're depressed. Go, take this tablet. Because... You work so hard for something, and, you ch- and you're and you trying to achieve it, and then you achieve it, and it's like this sort of climax of, well, what next now? And, I, and I'm left with this feeling of... Uh, it's primarily sadness. That's what it is. There's still a bit of me that's, that hasn't fully recovered from the stuff that I went through, the stuff that I experienced as a child. I mean, anyone who's read my book will know the stuff I went through as a child. For the, uh, I mean... Uh... These are, these
1: are tough topics and I, I feel, uh, you know, challenged asking the, the question, but for any of my listeners who don't know much about your childhood, is that something you're prepared to, to share with them at all? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, of course, of course I will. You know, I, my mum come... My family background is a gypsy background. And um, my mum was an alcoholic. My dad left before I was one. He, he, was, he was a drug addict, he was a heroin addict. Um... And I experienced, you know, some serious cases of neglect growing up. Um, violence, physical abuse, sexual abuse. I, I witnessed too much for a young kid. It was too much. And I, and I, and I became a young boy. And by the age of five, I'd, I'd, I'd accepted this world isn't a friendly place. And the people who you're meant to be able to trust, you can't and the people who are meant to love you hurt you the most and so from that from that place you think well if this is what these people are going to do to me the people that are meant to love you then what is the average person on the street going to do to me and so you know i just became an angry little kid but really it was my defense mechanism to keep everyone away to keep myself safe because if if I didn't let anyone near me then there was no risk of them hurting me you know And um, I sort of sometimes try and get away from, from that as far as I, away as I can I've done a lot of work to process it but you know you have a best selling book and a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a literary award and you think great I'm not that guy anymore but that little boy who was beaten and abused still is still within me you know? so, so,
1: yeah, I mean, you're so, a guy guys putting in the work, you know, vast amounts of work. You're, you understand and you acknowledge this, this journey that you've been on. And, and here you are in adulthood. You've, you've written this incredible book. The accolades are coming in now. But you're recognising that there is something missing uh with with the way that you're responding to this and, and you relate and, and you relate that back to to childhood?
2: Yeah, basically yeah. And do you know what? It's like none of it matters really. None of all this stuff matters. You take away the house, the car, the book, the awards, you know, all that matters is my wife and my kids and, and the stuff that I can do every day to make me happy. You know which is uh, you know like what you've seen this morning when you arrived that you know i've been out running i've done my breath and my meditation i jump in the stream you know because i don't have the luxury of being able to say "Fuck it i'm gonna go for a pint tonight and so i have to put the work in you know and uh, the wound i carry is 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 a bit deeper than the average person and so I believe in emotional responsibility. I'm responsible for my emotions. So I'm, that means I'm responsible for my own happiness. And so I've got to do stuff that makes me happy. And in the absence of being able to get drunk or using drugs, or just, you know, being unfaithful to my wife, which is uh, thinking that would make you happy, it don't make you happy. You know, it's, uh, I have to just do certain things every day, you know.
1: I wanted to ask you, you know, how you've gotten to know yourself as a man. And it, it sounds like this last week has been you know, after all the work, after everything you've been through, you're still getting to know yourself as a man.
2: Yeah, 100%, mate. And I have I have low days, you know? That's that's the reality of me and my mental health, is that I have, I have times when I can feel great and on top of the world, but I also have low days as well. You know, I'm definitely not uh, a finished product, and I don't, I don't think anyone is, mm. you know? Um, but it's just... You know, allowing myself to to be a human who has highs and lows.
1: Exactly, and this is something I've been interested in the last five six years in particular that I've been putting work in and uh, pursuing my own um, you know happiness, fulfilment, contentment in life, Um, even when you put the work in. You're still, you know, the whole point of this is that you're opening yourself up to experience the full range of human emotion, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. And
1: you can start chasing that wellness dragon, can't you? And you can start almost sort of asking too many questions. We're all being frustrated when you're having days where you don't feel great and you're thinking I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be feeling shit because (laughs) I've been putting the work in. Why is this happening? But this is this is being human, right?
2: Yeah, that's 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 the thing is that it's unrealistic to be happy every day you know and, and to be a human being a human being is able to feel the full range of emotions you know and it's like i'm allowed to be sad and i don't beat myself up from feeling sad i try and identify where it's coming from and take action
1: so i want to i want to talk to you about these different sources of emotion and how they relate to you as an individual because you're an individual you're a man, but. Do you, see this, do you see yourself as the sum of many different emotional parts? And can, if, if so, because I know we've done a, a bit of a course together on some of your beliefs structures as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where, that, where that sits in your mind's eye as to where these different emotional sources come from and how you, uh, how, how you view yourself as potentially being the sum of many different parts as opposed to just one individual.
2: Yeah, so the, um, I, I believe there's four primary emotions joy which is basically happiness grief which is sadness anger which can be dressed up as resentment jealousy anything you want and fear you know and um i have i fear anger joy and sadness grief and they're my four emotions you know and sometimes they can be dressed up as other stuff but primarily that's it and um my responsibility is to take care of them emotions when they come up in me and they will come up in me because that's what life is you know and i think for me it's about trying to get as good a grip as i can and a good understanding of my emotions heal the wounds and then when you when you've done that now it's time to be of service to help other men understand that Roadmap to themselves and you know understand themselves better and get some healing and how do you do that michael you talk about a road map and
1: systems and a structure yeah what what do you use when you teach other men as well and you take them, and you walk them through this process yeah of understanding themselves
2: so i use the archetypes by carl jung carl jung is one of probably the most famous uh psychiatrists um that have ever lived And anyone who's trained as a therapist or a psychologist or a counsellor would have had to learn about Carl Jung. And uh, he broke down the male personality into four quarters. You know, the four archetypes. You know, the lover, the warrior, the magician and the king. And that really made sense to me because growing up, I had a lot of professional intervention from a young age. I was stuck in front of social workers, therapists, psychologists from a young age because of my... I'm in prison and the nature of the crimes I got arrested for and uh, they would always say well that's just your ego it's your ego talking and it didn't make sense to me you know some religious people would say that's the devil but for me it was like there was more than one or two voices in my head it's not just good or bad it's not good or bad it was like I had a whole committee of voices and sometimes I'd have a good intention but there'd be another part of me that would be a bit manipulative and Carl Jung's archetypes really it helped me understand it to be like based on Carl Jung's teachings there's 12 voices in your head and each of them can be playing out at any time and so once you understand that and understand what what them voices are and what they're saying then you can understand yourself. And so. so For me, yeah, go ahead, Lawrence. No,
1: I just, so this fascinates me. I would love, and particularly for people listening who are, their ears are perked up and they're thinking, oh, it's the first time I've heard of this. Yeah. Can we take each archetype individually? We'll start with the lover.
2: Let's start with the lover. So the lover is, this is what Carl Jung done and other fellowships like the Mankind Project, they laid other maps on top of this to make it really simple so people can understand it. So the lover, is is the direction of the east. The colour of the lover is yellow. Yellow like the new rising sun, the sun rises in the east. You know, an animal associated with the east would be the bee. You know, the bee works in community, works in harmony with all of it, and it creates a very sweet, pure substance that can offer healing to the body, similar to how love can. The element of the lover and the element of the east is water. Similar to love, water always finds a way. You know, it'll, it'll go around obstacles and find a way. Similar, the
1: same way love can. Is it quite important for you when, you when you bought this bit of land and you settled down to a new home in Devon that there was water running through it and yeah. you, you bathe in that water in the morning uh, as you did today?
2: Yeah. What's,
1: yeah. That, what's, that, what's the importance the effect? Is that linked back to you as the lover, Michael is the lover?
2: Yeah, it's, it, it, for me, it's like filling my cup back up so if you think of like the aim of the lover is connection it's connection through sensitivity connection with other people connection with the earth but most importantly connection with yourself because when my cup is full of water funny water plays a part in this analogy when my cup is full it flows into the lives of the people around me Mm. and so part of filling my cup up is reconnecting back with mother earth And that's why I go and get in the water down, down in my field. You know, it's because I'm filling my cup back up. Exercise is filling my cup back up. Meditation is filling my cup back up. So then when I rock up to life, to be a dad, a husband, a brother, a business owner, the person on the receiving end is getting the best version of me. They're not getting the stressed out, angry, frustrated version. They're getting the guy who's got up and filled his cup back up every day. Um,
1: so that's key that's key for the lover
2: that's key for the lover but also this is the important thing so there's three voices in every quarter you've also got an inflated lover and a deflated lover you know the deflated lover is like the anorexic is like i'm not going to have any connection with anyone because i've been hurt too many times too many people have let me down i've been hurt again and again so screw this i'm not getting in relationships and i'm not going to have any connection with anyone you've also got the, the inflated lover now the inflated lover is the, a lot of people who suffer with addiction. If you're an addict, gambling, sex, um, gambling, sex, uh, porn, a- alcohol, drugs, any of that sort of stuff, um, then you you could you, you're probably in the inflated lover state. You know, and the inflated lover essentially is saying okay, I can't get this connection with myself or with the world, so I'm gonna go and do this negative behavior and I'm gonna get it this way. Um, And unfortunately, you know, it always leads back to you having to seek connection in a more healthy and pure way. Hmm. So all of these quarters are about getting things in balance. So you've got to think of the elements attached to this. So the element is water for the lover. Too much water can flood a village, yeah? Too little water and it's a desert nothing can grow so you've got to have a right balance you know so we got the lover and then we move on to the warrior next the warriors next the warriors in the south the color is red so you imagine when uh, the sun is at its hottest it's, it's in at midday it's in the south that's why the color is red you know animal associated with uh, that is a woodpecker the great spotted woodpecker with its red head and its red chest uh, and just imagine the woodpecker. The woodpecker just keeps chipping away, just keeps chipping away to achieve his goals, to provide a safe home for his family. So the warrior, the, the, uh, the direction of the warrior and the archetype of the warrior is in service. He's in service to the king, he's in service to all the other quarters. This is where masculinity lives. You know, toxic masculinity lives in this quarter. If you're an, if you're an inflated warrior, which is, if you're a bully, or you like to tear people down or you're really judgmental of people that are weaker than you or you want to criticize and gossip about people that are weaker than you and not support them to help them be a better version or if you're a know-it-all or if you're a grandstander you want to stand at the top of the hill saying look how good i am i'm i'm the king everyone bow down to me you're an inflated warrior which essentially is toxic masculinity and there's a lot of demonstrations of that in the world at the moment you look everywhere there's a lot of it there's some tv shows that demonstrate there's a lot of you know celebrities who embody this very well um but then you can also be the deflated warrior the deflated warrior who is is the warrior who's tried his hand at something new he's failed and now he's turned into the victim or the coward oh i just give up everything's so hard what's the point so yeah that's that's the warrior
1: i I find it so useful to have this visualisation. When I sat down with you a month or so ago and you, you took us through this on the board and we looked at it in depth, there were moments I was like, that makes sense to me, either there was a moment in my life where I behaved as that version and I could then break it down and I could understand and I could see what yeah. part of me was playing up, what part of me was deflated, inflated, whatever it might be. But as, as you say now, you look around the world and you look at various uh, celebrities politicians whoever it might be and you see you see these elements crop up yeah and it helps you to have a, a better understanding and to, to actually visualize where people are at as opposed to seeing people as um just the individual to seeing what's going on underneath the bonnet as it were underneath the surface yeah um yeah. It's, it's massively useful not just for you know, your own personal growth and understanding your own behaviors and and thought processes but also from profiling others as well
2: hmm. yeah and this is like you're never going to have all of these in perfect balance this is just for you to have an awareness of that i've got all of this within me you know so i have a bully within me i have a know-it-all within me i have that within me you know and it's my responsibility to try and be not be that to try and be the warrior who is a balanced warrior a healthy warrior you know healthy mature masculinity is all about helping those weaker than you and being in service you know and it's an understanding that strength isn't isn't just physical strength it's mental strength it's emotional strength it's Mm. spiritual strength a lot of people are waving you imagine a warrior with a sword they're waving their sword around like look at me I'm so strong look at me and it's like it's not working when you look at the male suicide rate and especially amongst ex-servicemen ex-soldiers you know who unfortunately are trained in a way that's very toxic to become completely inhumane to pull the trigger Mm. on a man a woman or a child uh, to be able to cut off from family when you're sent out to war you're disconnecting the natural human responses when you do that you're also disconnecting from a lot of other stuff as well and that's why I think when men come back from war zones, they're suffering from PTSD and a lot of them in their own life.
1: Have you worked with many veterans as, as well? Is that something that
2: I have Yeah, and I think the biggest thing that they come up against is uh, is being able to reach out and admit I need help you know because in the military you're sort of you're trained and taught in a way to have all the answers to to know the way to figure it out and uh, you're not you're not shown how to be vulnerable. <laughs> in the military and, uh, and you need that when you come out and you're struggling you need that vulnerability to say look i don't have this all figured out and i need some help
1: i had some interesting conversations with my brother who, who's on one of the early episodes and uh, part of his job in the military when they came back from Iraq Afghanistan um, they actually took a, a group of uh, soldiers who were struggling and uh, spent weeks months i think maybe just out excavating the land Salisbury plain um and just kind of really getting back to literally to the land to that male togetherness that we talked about yeah. earlier to having different kind of conversations and different just spending the days very differently as they had been in a run-up to going to war the days during the war and so on and yeah it was it was a successful
2: initiative by all accounts yeah um michael the, the third yeah the third one is a magician. Yeah. The magician is in the west the sun sets in the west so the color is black you know and an animal associated with that direction is a bear the bear or the badger in the UK goes buries itself into the mother earth so it's willing to go within to look at the stuff that needs to be looked at and that's what the magician is about is that Okay, I'm struggling with something in my life. I'm finding this really difficult. I'm banging my head off the wall. Okay, what do I need to look at within myself that I'm not, that I haven't looked at already? You know, and so it's, the magician is like just calling you with his finger saying, come, look, the answers are within you. We just need someone to help us go within and look at the parts of ourselves that we're running from. Um, and the gateway emotion is fear. So naturally, you're going to be you're going to be afraid. No one wants to look in the darkness. You think when you was a kid, you used to hate being in the dark, you know. But as human beings, we all have to walk that that part of our journey where we do go into the dark and we do look at the parts of ourselves that you know sometimes are quite unpleasant. So
1: would that be an inflated or deflated magician? So I mean, how
2: would an, you describe an, an inflated magician? is a trickster so he's like he has been to the darkness and he's discovered some sacred knowledge about himself and instead of taking this out in the world to help other people to help them become better versions he said i'm going to use this sacred knowledge to manipulate and so often you see a lot of life coaches will go on certain workshops learn a load of new stuff and then go and take it and put a hefty price tag on it and charge people a load of money for it when really unfortunately the people who need it the most can't actually afford to go on these sort of workshops and so that's why with all of my workshops i always keep it at a reasonable price that people can afford and offer bursaries to students and, and people who are newly sober
1: well, it seemed like so. Again, we went. I went on one of your courses a month ago, and uh, just to talk about the cost. I thought, you know, the the location, the effort, the work that you put in. I honestly, you know, thought that you would be making a loss, not even covering costs with that. And I, yeah. you know, I know it's very clear that you're someone who this is your life's work, and I want to talk about that in a set in a second, yeah. a bit more um, about what you're giving and what you see as your life's work. Yeah. Um, but um, and I think it also relates to what you're talking about earlier. With the lover and having your cup full uh, yeah. enough to be able to pull you know
2: from yeah. yourself yeah um so deflated magician the, 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 the deflated magician is basically he'll play dumb so he he's sort of got an idea of what he needs to look at he sort of knows w- why he is the way he is but he'll be like no nah, no nah, i'm all right i'm all right no nah, i'm fine i'm fine it's you know i'm all right you know it will all work out in the end so he's like he's the fear is really overwhelming him he he sort of knows what he's got to do but he'll he would rather stay in the darkness so a lot of people uh, who battle depression are often stuck in this area they're stuck in the dark you know they 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 you know it's too painful to get out of you know so it's a completely deflated magician it's like i'm just stuck in this i'm stuck in this fear um but i'm also refusing to take action to get myself out of it Can you
1: when you label these different uh you know states of being if you like and you relate them to the the male archetypes
2: i can look back at times of my life and say that was me 100% mate yeah 100% you know that's 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 definitely i and i spend time in all of these quarters the deflated inflated all the time You know, because it's a part of me. And I think the biggest part of all this work is lifting the shame. So look, if you're a deflated or inflated, there's no shame there. Mm. We've all got it within us, and we've all been it at some point in our lives. So don't feel any shame around it. None of us have this figured out. And anyone who does say they haven't figured out, trust me, that demonstrates how far they are from having it figured out. Because I tell you what, when I when i every year i where i get more sober like when i got 10 years sober i realized how little i know about life and then when you get 11 years 12 years you're like i'm just scratching the surface with this stuff you know so if you if you meet people who think they've got all the answers and they want to charge you a hefty price tag for it you know trust me um they don't have all the answers none of us do you know and even when you look at people like tony robbins you see Tony Robbins in that in his in his thing on uh, Netflix.
1: I'm no guru, he, no I'm not, I'm not your a guru. guru, yeah.
2: And he gets up, he does breath work, he does ice baths, like he does all the stuff that I do because he knows it's mm. like if I don't look after me, then Mm. you know no one rolls out of bed just the best version of himself every day it's just uh, not realistic
1: well i noticed this for me like i suppose my late 20s um with there was no self-management i was instinctively going about my life and you know there's some great stuff but also there's some you get pulled off in other directions as well and you start to feel all sorts of emotions um, that don't sit too well with you your behaviors whatever it might be and that's when the term self-management popped up for me i read an essay on it and i started to delve deeper and i started to implement all the systems you're talking about in terms of um you know setting the tone in the day in the morning making sure that you you're not in a reactive state making sure that you're tuning into yourself being the best version of yourself but i still as years go by will sort of fluctuate in and out of being able to manage it some chapters will be better than others yeah. when you when you introduced uh, carl jung's work and the, the formal archetypes i found again the structure the system for me uh, it was very useful to be able to picture it and to be able to, as I say, have um, have have it to visualise yeah. what goes on because um, you can't just rely on your on your feel your state of feeling day to day. You need to have a bit of structure on it, don't
2: you? Hundred percent. Yeah, so. you do, mate. You do, and you know it's um, it's allowing yourself to step into the fear, which is the gateway emotion for the magician, and do it anyway. Mm. Like you know. I'm going to be afraid when I look into these parts but on the other side of it I'm gonna it's gonna bring me bring whatever I've learned back into the life so after the magician it's the king yeah the king is the fourth one king is the fourth and final quarter the aim of all this work is is to put the king in charge now often when I run these workshops in prisons for most of the men in prison the warrior is running the show he's completely put the king into early retirement said step down i'm in charge and normally if the warrior's running the show he's a tyrant king okay so you often see demonstrated in the world today a lot of tyrant kings where if i don't get what i want i'm going to send in my aircraft to come and just drop a bomb on you and blow your whole village to smithereens that's a tyrant king you know the king is the direction of the north The colour of the north is white, like the snow. But also like the hair on the heads of our elders, that's white. So we tap into that ancient wisdom and we trust the people that have went before us. You know, people who have lived the life, people who have experienced things. Often, you know, we, we sort of just get rid of our old people and stick them in homes when they should be sitting around the campfires with us, sharing these stories to help us, you know, learn. One of your men
1: raised a really interesting point on the course that you, that you held the other month, which I hadn't thought of before. And that was where <clears throat> a lot of these traditions, this passing on of ancestral knowledge and, um, you know, ways and means to, to, to live, becoming a man, all these sort of things that is a little bit ambiguous nowadays. And he was talking about the Industrial Revolution. He was talking about the two world wars. Yeah. the effect that that's had on our society that we don't
2: we never really think about it no that's right i'm so fascinated by that yeah Um, because you know so you imagine like when someone is is struggling with something at school what do we do you give them a bit of support and you help them you know to you know if they're not good at maths you give them a bit of extra tuition but we don't do that in the world you know with men who are sort of struggling you know so since we became civilized we scrapped the ancient rite of passage and we scrapped down we scrapped the ancient passing down of sacred knowledge from the elders to the youngest to make it even worse you have two world wars that wipes out a load of men then you have the industrial revolution which takes a man from the home and sticks him in a factory and now you've got it even worse, where the man's at home, but he's in front of his phone. And that's a technolo- technological revolution, where the man is there, but he's completely disengaged. And when you're a boy, you start making, coming to conclusions in your head about what it means to be a man. And, and we naturally drift to the shadow. You know, that, and we carry the guilt of all men Because, you know, a lot of the things that happen in the world are done by men, a lot of the bad things. And so on some level, we're carrying that guilt of being a man, unless we're shown what it means to be a man.
1: And this has become, as I understand it, a large part of your life's mission at the moment.
2: That's exactly it, Lawrence. You know, I take the work primarily, I do work out, I run workshops out in the world, probably three or four a year but I'm always in the prisons because if I'm gonna protect the people out in the world then I need to heal the wounds of them guys in prison while they're locked up because if you don't when they get released trust me they're gonna go and hurt another member of the public unless you heal them wounds so I'm doing what the prison system should be doing but I'm going in there 95% of the time completely unpaid teaching this stuff to help these young men understand themselves and put the warrior back in his place and then put the king in charge and before you make any decision the king's job consult the lover consult the magician and consult the warrior you know
1: where do you where have you arrived at this point that you are prepared to work for free and to dedicate so much of your life to this what why do you obviously you know i know that You've been there, you've done that with prison, yeah. you're now living this life. But I'm I'm talking about uh, your 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 internal power that's 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 the light that you're shining this direction that's telling you this is what you are to vote to devote your life to. Where's that coming from?
2: Yeah, so you know, I'm blessed, you know, I got sober at 25 and I've done a lot of work on myself about how to set up a business, how to be a successful business owner, how to manage your money. Um, And I I believe that once you get to a point where you've got enough, which I I have, we live a very comfortable life. I've got a successful business and I don't have to work every day, you know. And I think when you get to that point, it's really easy to say, fuck it, I'm going to ride off into the sunset now with my with my family and kids, you know, send them off to private school, And you know, I'll ride off into the sunset and it's like, yeah, but there's not many of me who've done what I've done. So then it's my moral obligation to go back and help, you know, and I could go back and help and say, look, there's not many of me, you better pay me a a load of money. When in reality, the government don't have money and schools don't have money, you know, so, and do I really need the money? No, I don't really need it, you know. So it's like, I believe in karma, Mm. and I believe what you put out comes back. And I choose to put out positivity and healing into the world, you know, and and it has come back to me in ways, you know, like the book being a bestseller and the award, and I've been nominated for the National Diversity Award. All of this stuff is like positive stuff that comes back. if, If you're willing to just take the element of money, out of it and just be like I've got a gift and I'm not any I'm not special and different I've just been to a very dark place and found a way out and I can just be that beacon of light to people that are in really shit situations
1: you talk about a moral obligation and you know I know with you it goes it goes further it goes deeper than that and you were just talking about giving out uh, the energy perhaps that you put into the universe and it returns and I know you have feelings on a higher power yeah i do yeah yeah where where you with that michael where what's your
2: you know i believe in god i wasn't i was raised a catholic and i don't believe in the catholic religion i don't believe in the christianity i don't believe in any religion really like i just i just for me, God is that beautiful feeling I have when I watch a sunset or when I'm walking by the sea or when I'm watching my daughters laugh and joke around or when I saw my daughter born. Um, you know, like I can feel this beautiful feeling when I'm connected and, and, and experiencing beautiful moments in life. I can flip that and I can also be feeling like I'm experiencing hell on earth when I'm detoxing in a prison cell, age 18 in Feltling Offenders. So, I think heaven and hell are two things that you can experience on earth. And, you know, my higher power, which I choose to call God, you know, it's not a a feminine or masculine. It's just a feeling, a good energy. I also feel it when I'm walking in the forest. And sometimes I feel it when I'm running or I'm doing an ice bath. So I believe in God. And I think for me, it's just easier just to call it God rather than... Try and explain what it is for me it's like a, it's like mother nature really in a lot of ways.
1: And when you meditate you feel this power and sometimes that's when you have these moments of insight.
2: Yeah so that when I meditate, that's when the, that's when the little golden, golden nuggets drop in I'm thinking about trying something different or doing something different or you know that's why I try and do it every day. I'm, I'm not perfect. I don't get it every day for most days i meditate for 10 minutes and in that in that time you'll be amazed the little golden nuggets that come to you just a little idea of something to do when
1: you calm the mind as well and you put away with all the peripheral thoughts that fly in and out of your brain all the time and all the distractions that come yes yeah. it's those moments of still those moments of quiet and as we're walking out here in, in your land, in, in Devon, you, you know, as I say, you, you've taken yourself to a place of physical uh, quiet as well as yeah. actively seeking out those mental uh, yeah. moments of quiet as well.
2: Yeah, I had to, mate, because, you know, there's a real nice part about where I lived. I grew up in Isleworth. Everyone knew me. I'd walk down the road, everyone would be like, Maisie, bloody hell, I remember you back in the day. You've done this, you've done that. And it was lovely, but also, There was times where I'd bump into my old group of mates who were primarily, you know, ex-convicts, who've a lot of them just been released from prison, standing there getting drunk and high with their tops off. And when you're walking with two young daughters, and they're saying, Daddy, how do you know these guys? It's a tough one to explain. And so for me, it was like, I want to move away to somewhere where I can just be my forever, it can be my forever home. And I can just live in peace and live a a very simple life. And, uh, you know, for me, that's the gold. The real gold in life is is spending time with my family and spending time out on my land, walking the dogs, exercising.
1: Michael, you know, I've had a a very different story in life to yours, but my dreams and aspirations are very similar, and that's to spend time with my family uh, in the countryside, surrounded by nature, surrounded by green looking after myself trying to be the best person of myself understanding that i get it wrong sometimes um, but actively seeking out personal growth uh, yeah. and I've just been so excited about coming down to to visit you to see yeah, to so see w- this end point not an end point but this current uh, yeah. uh, point in the journey uh, where you are here now and I just want to thank you so much for having me down no, welcome um, many time lines I will be back for sure I'll give you some warning don't worry I won't just turn up <laughs> I don't <a rocket> <laughs> Yeah, but it's been an, an amazing uh, special uh, thing to witness really in the last um, well, couple of months I suppose since we got to know each other a little yeah. bit and to hear this story and to see it and it's it's massively motivated and inspired me and I know that that is the effect you have on a lot of men across the country um, and I want to thank you for the, for the work that you that you are doing, uh, and for anyone listening to this who's interested in finding out more about the courses that you're holding as well, is there any information you have on that?
2: Yeah, so there's uh, we've got an Instagram page. It's called the CIP project. CIP stands for Changes Possible, and so uh, come along. You know, we've got a website as well. There's a there's a weekend workshop in Devon on my land in Devon in June and in September. Um, And yeah, if anyone's heard anything or during this podcast and it's touched something within them and they want to just check in and talk, then reach out to me on my DMs. I'm I'm active on my DMs.
1: Your Instagram account is... Yeah,
2: it's Michael Maisie. So just don't suffer in silence. My message to anyone out there, a lot of pain, a lot of men too ashamed to open up, Uh, reach out and talk to me. For a non-judgmental, purely loving nurturing conversation yeah i I think the uh everyone should be striving for the king to be in charge and and the king is just a humble leader he's not a dictator he's not a tyrant he's also not a, a weakling he's able to you know make difficult decisions but consult with the lover he has to have a good relationship with the lover if he's too close to the warrior he'll be in fighting wars all the time so you know but yeah, no, just uh, thank you for having me on and just keep doing what you're doing, mate. It's, uh, it's powerful stuff. Michael, I want to I say massive thanks to you for having
1: me, to your wonderful ah, to your, your wonderful estate down here in, 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 <laughs> in Devon, shall we say. Um, but thank you so much. And I just want to reiterate, you know, the work that you're doing, uh, it's not just important, it's essential. Um, and it's only just beginning as well. So thank you for that. Thank you for having me down. And on behalf of all my uh, listeners, massive thanks for them as well. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on, mate. Cheers,
0: buddy. Cheers. Okay, this is the outro. The podcast is now finished. But don't hang up the phone yet. I mean, turn off the phone. I mean, turn off the podcast. Because I have one more favour to ask you. If you liked the podcast, which presumably, if you got this far, you did. I did something right. Please subscribe. Please leave a review. And most importantly, please tell all of your friends. Because it's just going to be so embarrassing if no one listens to this. I need you on my side to push this out into the world wide web. Please, please help. Please tell everybody, please. And thank you so much. Write a review. Have you done it yet? Have you written that review? See you next time. Bye. Have you written the review yet?